Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing Protection Magic, Vinyl Production Engineer, Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and bi-monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And if you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and click on the PayPal link, and you can donate to help support the cost of this show. And now, without any further ado, our guest for today, Jared Murphy. Hey, the, did you hear all that feedback or is it just on my end? I didn't hear any feedback. Oh, you sound like right now your audio makes you sound like you are a possessed uh, Darth Vader. I like that. Yeah, you are, you are heavily uh, scratchy and it, it's really, it's, but you're not picking it up? No. Okay. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, you're. It, maybe it's just at my end then, but it it sounds really bad. <laughs> Thanks, man. But well, if if you got it good, then I will shut up and we will move on. If you can't hear it, no, I don't hear anything. Is it still doing it? Uh yeah, yeah. Huh. Sometimes it usually does it around the time you do that intro bumper, and then it goes on while you're doing the uh, the audio when you're doing the read, but then it stops again. But this time it's not stopping. Interesting. Oh, uh. Now it's yeah, gone. It's gone. No. Nope. Oh no. Huh. Keep going. Okay. How is Yeah, so here we are. We're working out this is exactly how episodes go with us. We're um <laughs> managing technical issues live on air. This is the behind the scenes episode for everyone listening. Yeah, like like you <laughs> spent a half hour trying to figure out why I didn't have sound. And it was my headphones um, wasn't plugged in. <laughs> yeah. We just just can't ever get over how funny that whole can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you can you can you can you hear me now? Um, what is that? T Mobile? Uh I don't remember. Uh maybe? Was know. it? I have no idea. I know, it's huh. one of those cell phone companies. Yeah, I don't remember either, actually. Hmm. Huh. I don't remember. Well, <sighs> how the hell are you? It's been, it's been a rough day, man. Yeah. I spilled cat poop all over the house. The dog That's, bit dog bit my Johnson. Um, that was the country song we were you were writing <laughs> live for me as we were talking um on prior prior to the uh show. So for everyone listening, that that happened. Uh Gary is suffering from actual uh biteage <laughs> from animals. That's uh spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, it is not my first Johnson injury, so it's Ouch, it's it's, I, pr- it's pretty resilient. <laughs> I can be aggressive. Be aggressive. <laughs> okay, everyone tuned in. I mean, who knows what we were going to talk about? Was it Kincaid? Was it megalithic ancient past? Is it some new archaeological find? And we are starting out with Gary's Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> it's personal. How personal more could it get? Who was that had that song Dog Bite on My Leg? Dead Kennedys? I don't know. Ooh, good question. You could, could rewrite one called Dog Bite on My Johnson. I don't remember. I think it was huh. a, I think it was a Dead Kennedys or Dead Milkman or somebody. Oh like my gosh, that. it's been so long. Uh gosh, all those bands. Yeah. Interesting. So, man, when are you going back to the Grand Canyon? So we're looking at, so GE Kincaid follow-up trip is looking to be the first week or two of November. Um, It might get pushed to the second week, but we are closing in. And um, that's the plan is to follow up likely with thermal imaging uh, to really just knock this down. You know, it was good for us to talk to Frank Joseph. I thought that went really uh, well. And it, I think it kind of like put us 
you know, it's in line with, you know, getting some of the outliers of people who have had other contact with people who have made an effort to go try to find the site. All right. What, what I can almost see what we're looking at. So it's the dead Kennedys. Oh, it was the dead Kennedys. Um, that's, we're going to juggle a lot of conversations today, folks. So <laughs> you got the dead Kennedys, Bitten Johnson's follow-up visit to the Grand Canyon. If you guys can put all the intellectual dots together for this podcast and you will can happily and, scream. And Frank, and, and Frank Joseph. Yeah, you, you, you win a uh, metaphysical bingo game. Take your cards to the front for verification. Um, yeah, the, uh, the, you know, the follow-up trip is going to be interesting because we know now that we know Alvin, uh, and a couple of the other, other locals, you know, we're hoping to go look at, uh, the expansive part of the trip is I did not want to become some sort of eco warrior, but I'm really surprised at the amount of uranium open mining permits near and in the Grand Canyon. Um, very curious about, I've always had a fascination with the Anasazi and the fact that there is, um, unmarked uh, foundational uh, village or city locations with bones and also um, uh, remains and then rock cut caves that also show signs of being occupied pre um, you know just pre-primitive that they're uh, they're rock cut and they're possibly more uh, advanced so I'm interested in seeing those places and getting photos so the whole premise of one of the things that we've always talked about was, was there advanced civilization, human civilization prior to what we know of? And well, you know, that's what the pyramids indicate in central and south and that whole area, including, you know, the United States has some primitive pyramids in it, but mm -hmm. we don't know of any advanced megalithic sized builders. But if they were rock cutting, uh, I mean, sandstone and obviously the Grand Canyon is not made out of the hardest rock, actually, for the most part. But we want to uh, explore constantly the areas that have been overlooked. You know, we have this label of the new world and we what we really might be sitting on is part of the very, very old world that it just got the most obliterated. So we're hoping to find some rock cut, just something, entrances, uh, any indication that there were reoccupied by Anasazi or other native people that, you know, readapted, uh, you know, existing um you know, built, man-built, ancient advanced structures, you know, that's, I guess, another side aspect of this trip to go back and do the thermal imaging, which we have to do at night, which does re necessitate stain towards the rim of the canyon. There's no way to, no way to see it if you're not there, you know, as the temperature differential between night and day. Mm. That's how we'll spot it for thermal. So that's happening. You look very holy. Yes. Uh, the sun sets almost perfectly in line uh, with my, you know, it's like an eight foot, nine foot bifolding uh, hundred year old glass window. And it's, uh, uh, it's, let's see how sunny will it get? Um, it's a very tall window. It is tall. It's nice. And then fixed panel up above, which is actually, you can't really tell from here, but it's like, that's over two foot by about five foot wide. And then the bifolding section is probably about, uh, I think about eight or nine feet. Mm. Yeah. It's a good uh, effect. Yeah. That's a really cool looking building across the street there. Don't know why it came into focus before. Um, yeah. Very interesting. But at this angle, it looks like I'm talking to you from the stars. So did you choose your apartment um, in coordination with the sunset and sunrise? So, you know, I do believe that there is some actual science behind having proper sun exposure and brain entrainments and binaural beats, you know, like we were talking about. And I think the way that we build homes are significantly impactful on those rhythms and your health and i didn't intend it but for as best as you can go for a vibe um not just because you think the space is cool but you know sun fresh air um the 
you know, how, how is that going to affect if we have plants or, you know, what, what's it going to be like morning, noon, and night, you know, those to me are all um, important aspects of making the space livable. So those are things I think people should consider, mm -hmm. but this was, uh, you know, when you're living in the cities, you only can meet, you know, you know, all your wants and cost and, um, you know, you can have really nice things and then just have, like you said, you know, it could be facing the wrong direction or not give you the proper energy alignments you need. And you can make a lot of it artificial. You can make do a lot of different ways, but I think we, I think this was a, um, a good find and I'm continuing to look very descending yeah, uh, and, and and the summer solstice, do you get the image of a serpent on your wall? So, we should be doing this in video, right? <laughs> on on where? Do you get the shadow of a serpent on your wall when the sun comes through your window on the summer solstice? No, but that's a great idea. You should build that into some of your um. What is it? do when you modify houses i do um i i do have some great ideas i think for if i was building i wouldn't be building the you know what people think is luxurious i think frequently is filled with formaldehydes and off-gassing you know you know oiled you know just products that aren't conducive to breathing or touching for your health mm -hmm. and i think there's a way to build to not only minimize those exposures chemically but then to embrace a a better ebb and flow for your the energies of your life and part of it i think is just not interrupting what's what's possible and just open airflow and you know the sound of water but also the quality of the water do you have an aquifer do you have a a fresh spring on your property if you're lucky can you incorporate the flow of that water. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things you can do to make um, to make a property way more conducive to your rejuvenation, your maintaining of good health, but then also the, you know, in the times that you get sick or injured, a home that's way more conducive to you recovering and also maintaining your health. And that's, um, I think that's possible, but it's not done. I think mostly people just go for lots of rooms and big space. Do you think the next house that I purchase, should I find a house where my front door is facing the sunrise and my back door facing the sunset? No, I think, I think, I think most, that's the mistake I made with this house. I definitely think that there's something to your plant life. So I do think you should grow your own vegetables and or some like at least herbs and spices or something, I think you should try to control the nutrient base for those things. Um, if you can't get one of those little hydro aeroponic, they, they run about 110 to $180 mm -hmm. and they would allow you to grow it like maybe six or eight. Um, you know, you could at least do thyme, basil, oregano, Thai basil and uh, sage or something. You could you usually do six to eight items. They have little holes and they, you can control the nutrient base. And I use actually Dr. Joe Wallach, the 90 for life vitamin guy. And, you know, he's done a lot of research and Joe Wallach's, um, his product, uh, he has a liquid nutrient for, um, aquaponic, aquaponic, um, plant feeding. So those are things that I think you should experiment with, but I, I absolutely believe that the sun not in a woo-woo way, but in a very actual mechanical and practical way. I think that uh, glass in the front, like, so you're, you're getting as much natural light for as long as there's natural light. I think there's a value in that. And I don't think it's just aesthetics. I think that we need that ex sun exposure. And I think uh, the air needs that sun exposure within your home. Uh, there's definitely something to... Um, what's in the air uh, on the particulate level, not only because of the pollution, or I'm not just thinking of, you know, what's coming out of the smokestacks within a mile of your house. I'm, I'm, I definitely believe that the sun has a practical 
uh, relationship between all the energies and auroras that are being projected within your home, which include your dogs, your plants, you, and all of it together, and the sun. And, and as you, you know, yeah, we have these weird magnetic field changes with the full moons, with the planetary alignments. I mean, I think those are coincidences to the system that was built intentionally to have all that. I mean, there's, there's something to the sun being um, 100% incorporated into all those, what, what sounds like metaphysical mechanics, but in reality, I, I do think it's very practical that you plan to purchase something that gives you the light not just in an entryway or like in the main living room, but that the space is really thought out so that as you ebb and flow through your day, you have the ability to incorporate natural light at all times. I, I mean, if, you, if, if I could pick. Yeah, yeah. I want to look for that, you know, because I think maybe that's what's wrong with this house. I think this house might be, be cursed because of the lack of natural light. Yeah, and it's so interesting because we spend time in studios and we're doing um, recordings and we need quiet walls. And then at the same time, you know, because we do a lot of recordings, we and and I think this is true for architects or engineers or anyone, computer workers. I mean, there's so many people who spend so much time in front of a computer that I think a healthy uh, exposure without ruining your environment. I mean, there's the challenge, but it's not impossible. And I think that's the problem with a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of design. It's just four rooms. This one's a bedroom. This one's a bathroom. This is the hallway to the bathroom and then to the dining room, to the kitchen. And I don't think there's any real intelligence around um, those subconscious brain entrainments that it's not just about designing pleasant, you know, curves and or having a rounded corner instead of a square. I, I do think that um, depending on how you're developing or learning or where what phase you are in your life, I do think that the space should not reflect the just the immediate moment, but kind of like the underlying underpinnings of just like your bones and your blood and your muscles all you know, like, Hey, I'm not in good shape right now, but I can be, and I know what I got to do. And I also know what, you know, I know what I got to do for this disease or that, or I think that it can transform depending on how you're managing it. And I think your home should have some capabilities like that to uh, maintain, not just like, well, you know, sometimes I change out that chair. So I do, a lot of it comes down to people change paint colors as an example. That's easy, right? 20 mm -hmm. years that I've been doing design, build, remodeling. I think that's a simple one, but there's a scientist and I've been, he's been on my mind a lot lately. He developed plastic walls that were luminescent. Do you know anything about those oh. from Ohio? This was like 25. This is in like 2004, really? 2006. Yeah. So right out of Star Trek, you literally could pick any color you wanted and the walls themselves. So like instead of sheetrock, you had a plastic sheet and they could change and glow any color to any brightness or not brightness, whatever you wanted. They could do that. And that, that was sounds cool. It's cool as hell. And it's like in 2004, 2006. So depending on your mood, uh, you could literally change the colors and the brightness of the very walls of your surrounding, you know, and in technologies that I don't see being practical for people for really a long time, there would be, you know, like maybe the curve of a wall bends a little bit based on your brain entrainment. Or uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about forever is having homes. I know there's one that just made international news. Uh, a wife of a gentleman in Ukraine wanted to see, she wanted to be able to, they have a view on a hill and she wanted to be able to see whatever she wanted to, wanted to see out of any window. So he put the house on a pivot. It turns and <laughs> And I've always thought that if you had land and you could, I absolutely believe that rooms like your home should be more of a transformer. You know, it should be able to separate and open to create a common space for parties or, you know, like a section of the house could like even for like effects, but just because you have the money and you can't, I mean, like on the most base simplistic level, what if everyone hanging out in the fun party room between the kitchen and like where that first television is and the patio with fireplace, what if it 
what if it actually was on a moving bed and could get closer to a swimming pool or back up or get bigger or smaller? Or again, as you want to develop your whatever you're working on and you want to have sun every day, you know, why can't your structure move or why, why can't your bedroom go up at night? Maybe not just for security, but wouldn't it be cool if your bedroom could rise from your home and like turn with the setting sun or with the star pattern that you want to watch or see or experience? Right. That'd be so cool to see the moon while you're sleeping. Oh, yeah. You could do a slight tilt even. Yeah. I mean, you could lay back, but you could also like, you know, could be at an angle. But you could do, th- these are all things that were like, well, you can't put, you know, I know there's a Minnesota company that puts hydraulics in stadiums and large constructions where they make, you know, massive walls or retractable domes, uh, very unique um, products like that. They all have to be built, but they're, su- they're surprisingly more expensive and less expensive than you would think. And um, yeah, I, I think that it's, for what people spend, I mean, if you really, I know that property and just a standard home, depending on where you're moving and taxes are expensive. I just think that our concept of home living, when you tell a homeowner, uh, you know, you're going to spend 250,000, half a million, 750,000, a million dollars. I know in some places that buys you a, uh, at least on the East coast and the West coast, I know that it's incredible to think that a half a million to a million dollars buys you a home that basically needs to be demolished because it's so in (laughs) such bad shape. But then simultaneously, it's like, well, if you look at the material expense of building a home with some of the qualities that we're discussing, it's not remotely impossible or, or having to be done for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, I think it's, I've explored this, um, from an experimenter standpoint, from a design build standpoint, I've, always had my ear and eyes on designs that could be practical and affordable and still profitable, but uh, like permanent maintenance for home for the lifetime that you own it or um, services that include lawn care that you almost invest in like an insurance. And then you have maintenance you wouldn't have to do built in holiday lighting systems. So I'm not saying like in some gizmo sort of way where a bunch of stuff pops up out of the yard, but uh, built-in LED lighting now that you know could change to holiday greens and reds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to go string up lights. The house just already has lights, you know. And or with these luminescent plastics, you could incorporate them into the vinyl sidings. In which case, you would have, um, you know, any color you wanted. You could have a really funky blingy bling bling house, uh, depending on the holiday, and or you know, scrims and projectors. I think, I think all those things that people enjoy for Halloween and for Christmas and new year's and Valentine's, et cetera, that all could be in a package where when you look at a home now, it could be, well, I'm going to have this surgery. And I mean, we could get as far as uh, we have a clean room with a biomedical industrial, uh, like you could create very practical surgical rooms uh, that could be cleaner and more efficient for a surgical team to come and do your necessary surgery in home than in the hospital. I mean, there's a lot of uh, ways that we could start looking at homes where, you know, a lot of people go in, let's just take cosmetic surgery. People will go in and get something done, but then they go to a recovery center because they don't want to be seen. You know, they don't want to be anywhere. Well, they have to go to the recovery center and there's a bunch of logistics about bandages and stuff like that. So it's we're not just talking about personal care assistant or personal nurse. We're talking about how can you clean the air, you know, ozone, ionize, you know, all the different filtration systems. How do you create super clean air, super purifying air, super, you know, like, again, there's something, there's a lot of experiments between Johann Grander, Victor Schauberger, the naturalist and, uh, you know, Imoto Masuru. There's a number of different experimenters that have been dealing with the ideas of conscious water and fresh springs. And if you were recovering from some catastrophe or elective surgery or, and I don't like that hip replacements go under elective, but 
I don't, I don't have one, but I want to throw that out for those that are sensitive to the idea of elective. When in reality, if they, they've either been living with great amount of pain or fear or both of some condition, and they're told that it's elective and they, you know, they get their work done and, and they think, you know, hospitals, even to this day, they've gotten a lot better, but they didn't even understand back in the day that, you know, the people with the open wounds over here are dying in recovery because the other person who has this infection is infecting the person with the open wound because you guys are changing the bandages and air that's full of bacteria from the 1 million other people in this hospital. And even that uh, is, I, I do believe our architecture is very primitive right now in reference to all these things. And so I know I just said industrial, but there's mechanics to creating a clean space for surgery. But when it comes to building maintenance and the best possible air and water exposure, and again, there's something to ionized uh, water particles, structured water. So not only do you have like gutters on your house, but maybe they fall through mechanisms that create structured water or particularly kind of ionized water. So it, there's water that, uh, you know, mimics a waterfall mm -hmm. and falls on rocks and a system that we put in place that this water is very nutritious and highly energized. And based on experiments, it's water that when it atomizes, you're breathing it. Meanwhile, dirty air is being cleaned out of your home. Uh, meanwhile, there's that spring that you have. And if you don't have a spring, then we create structured water. We create our own ionized water. We do conscious water and we create a water feature or a few that mimics that, you know, if you, if, and, and even if you had a spring, it would be to create a multi, you know, earth, wind and fire, an environment where your exposure to the sun and your exposure. I, I think this is also, by the way, going into ancient, our ancient past. I mean, one of the things I've been fascinated about, and one of the things that I find interesting is that, you know, we focus on the, all these big megalithic structures and then we think, okay, well, they must've built mud brick homes or, or teepees or, you know, skin uh, covered, you know, wood framed, basically fancy, you know, animal skin tents. And, you know, we have this very primitive look as to how things were. And then we have places like Petra Jordan, Jordan and, Egypt and well, everywhere that we already, already look at these large buildings and we go, yeah, they built really big stuff, but, but, you know, they obviously must've just used some tree trunks for their houses. And I, I think one of the missing elements is how do we not know until we keep doing nano archeology, span but till, till then, what was it like to live in a period of time where we were in the, our highest and best technology and, and did it look even more natural and hippie than we're imagining or were there very, very clear signs when you walked into someone's home that this, there was some very high tech engineering behind its simplicity. We don't, we don't know what that looks like, but we have these, I never bring up feng shui as a mystification, but it is, it's, it's this deep remembrance of, Oh wait, don't, don't put a mirror by the front door. Why? Cause it, is it reflecting a certain frequency? You know, there's these things that we've mystified and they it's banging on the blinky board. It makes sense. Like mm -hmm. somehow it feels not wrong. Like you can tell when something's like that's BS or that's wrong, but there is some positive energy behind feng shui and behind. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's something. Mm. Can you hear St. Michael's? Mm -hmm. Great. Good evening. Do, do you think instead of building houses, we could grow them? Yeah. I like, you know, that's so cool that you bring that up. I never talk about this with, I was looking at the big old meta sequoias, the giant like uh, Hyperion I write about in my book. And what's really interesting is why is it that we always get excited about these large megalithic stone structures? They had to have been using wood just as much as they use stone. And then I wonder, you know, were they growing homes? Were they carving them into living trees, mm -hmm. you know, big trees like, you know, that these 370, 400 foot sequoias and redwoods. Are they um, working within uh, a structure that can repair itself? You know, just, 
I mean, if we're going to go high tech and nano body and very abstract, I mean, you know, are we looking at space age materials that make it look like, you know, Star Trek, the next generation stuff, or is it very biomechanical and are they really growing in <coughs> the, the pieces of their shelters from some of these things like these trees and are they just programmed to create the spaces like bedrooms, bathrooms, it just grows it within the trunk or into a branch. And, and, and here's a mind blower. You know, I like the idea of elves in the sense that, Oh, you know, they're very, they're so close to nature in the woods and you know, the branch grows out. And the first thing I'm thinking is some sort of Lord of the ring thing where we're living in a tree and, Mm -hmm. uh, but it has a room in it, but we might be missing the point that all these raw materials that we just work so hard to get out of the ground, you know, an ancient advanced society may have been like any other biometric programming or any other customization. When you're getting the designer baby, perhaps they were programming the tree to grow a branch off to the right. That is the diameter and necessity in it to accommodate a, I need a three bedroom house with a, you know, with a bathroom and kitchen and a dining room and this many openings. And what if it grows off and drops the dang branch off for us? What if it just grows exactly that? And it just like, here you go. The, the other interesting thing is too, your home would be growing as your family would be growing. I had some nightmares about that. Like, are we just like three and a half pounds of gut bacteria walking around and our mouths got away from us? But really, it's just like all of our gut bacteria is talking to each other. Is that where we're really at? Mm-hmm. You know, that that whole thing. Um, it is really interesting. The idea of um, was the system when it wasn't in safe mode between the planet, the animals, uh, the full the full network and us being fully connected to it consciously, not unconsciously, but consciously connected to a collective human race. I mean, do you get a download some morning where it's like, hey, the world really needs you two to have twin babies right now? I mean, could you imagine that being trippy? Mm-hmm. Going, hey, we, we need you two specifically. The universe, the world is calling out and making a determination that what it feels is coming in its galactic, you know, literally the planetary galactic travel, the planet is in tune enough with its uh, not just orbit and solar system, but the, the the general neighborhood and galaxy and universe around it that at some level, it's not only keeping tabs on all the humans, but it's actually making an effort to project this, this, and this is going that direction. And the planet as a motherboard itself says, you know, for everything that everyone's thinking, It'd be neat to have 18 more people who know this, a thousand more people who know that, a hundred thousand that can do or possibly do that. And there's a little gray over here. Here, so what would be the genetic makeups of the couples that I know of on Earth that would make all those things happen and prompt for those pregnancies? I think that already happens. I mean, I do think that nature has some type of grand mathematical geometric design that determines those type of things that you just talked about. But do you think it's random or do you think it's part of Absolutely a- not. No, I don't think it's random at all. Yeah, I, I don't think it is. I, I think if the universe was random, we wouldn't be here talking right now. I definitely think there's some randoms that have gotten away from themselves the last few, few months. But what... Um, <clears throat> Have you seen any, I, I, I know this is a weird pause point for this, but I have to ask about the remote viewing mm-hmm. and the, do you think that it's basically the same technology that it's, it has to be, it, 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 it's not, not, not though I think it, I know it. Yeah. After that, after doing that class, man, it's freaking amazing. We, we did a target. It was, it was yesterday. And and I'm drawing pictures, not knowing what it is, and, and it looks like a bunch of nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. And I find out what the target is, and I freaking nailed it. It was, it was something that nobody would ever think of. It was a giant robot. That's funny. But so and, what? And, and yet, like when I was remote viewing, I kept seeing like gears and pulleys, and and I saw this. 
big yellow um, plate, I guess it was what you yeah. call it. This thing had all that. That's so amazing. Like I, mean, I, 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 drew, I drew the leg of it perfectly. Wow. Now, there's other people in the class that they also assemble other parts of it. So this is what I'm talking about, yeah, like collective yes, dreaming. Yes. So like somebody drew the other leg, like you drew left, somebody drew right. Yeah, everybody got different parts and pieces of it. Makes you wonder, depending on the size of the group, if the viewing is scaled to the size of the group in order for the information to pass to not take up extra bandwidth. Mm, I don't think so. I, I think this is something that... You know what? You know what kind of concerns me about this whole remote viewing thing, okay? If, if every human being is able to access that information from, God, you know, he, he calls it the quantum matrix holographic field. That's what the guy who's teaching the class calls it. If we're able to access that information and figure out what it is, and the government's been doing this probably for about 100 years now. Okay, they've known about That's interesting. It. So 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 but think of it in a reverse way. If they know how to extract the information, that means they probably know how to put information into it and manipulate reality itself. Oh, that's diabolical. There's nothing good that, that can they, they come must from be that. doing that though. Because obviously if it's possible for me to extract information, then obviously they would be able to send information into it and change and manipulate our current reality. That's too trippy. It's super trippy. But but it makes know. sense. But it's bad. Because <laughs> 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 who's monitoring and who's regulating it and who's saying no, no more, thank you. I don't know. You know? I don't know. But but isn't that weird? Like the idea that our reality could be being created by other human beings? Well, I, I do think I do think that falls in line with um I do think that that falls in line with uh the idea of not only this bio motherboard that we're a part of, but the quantum mechanics of Richard Miller, you know, Dr. Richard talking about, you know, again, if you, you can manifest, I mean, see, this is that, that's, you know, you got people who are very adamant about their religion and, you know, when you got 10 people, you know, just Sufis and Sufis are really cool. So I, I don't yeah. mean just Sufis, like they're no big deal, but people doing collective dream states up to 39 people, 40 people plus, and, you know, collectively meeting within a dream state is a real thing. And then the remote viewing is a real thing. And we're watching observable quantum particles or quantum, like at, at the level of quantum, we're watching observable uh, phenomena that's showing that observational experience changes the outcome of the experiment which scared the hell out of Schrodinger and all the quantum researchers and philosophers from the beginning, because if you can affect the reality that you're in, if you have a million people or a billion people or two or three or 4 billion people that believe something, they can program something into the blinky board that can have like, well, we believe in good angels and we believe in bad demons. And I said it specifically like that for a reason, anyone listening and the experience that they might be having is very real. What they're manifesting though is maybe not actually bad or good, but they're banging on the blinky board with their consciousness. And I do believe people have to be aware that they're creating a reality that isn't, you know, the guidebook's not open on what actual reality is. They're just, they're making it up. Right. That's a problem. But, but I think the governments do it purposely. Well, Corporations do it purposely. Total, yeah, total fog of war. Um, yeah, like there's there's, a, there's this whole psychic reality creation machine, um, and, and who knows? Maybe they're not even using people to do it anymore. Maybe they're using quantum computers to manipulate reality. Well, that would that would suck. Like our fate is in the hand of computing. It's Cyberdyne already. It's Terminator Cyberdyne. That's not good. That's a horrible idea, Gary. Stop putting it out there. 
<laughs> it's already out there, dude. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think maybe no, it it's isn't. time. I think it's time for maybe to kind of become people to kind of become aware of some of the things that exist in the government. Know it exists. They you're utilizing these, um, I don't know, technologies of consciousness for their own gain. Um. That I definitely feel that there was a there was a shift of power, or a necessary share of power between, you know, the Catholic, or and the Orthodoxies that have been, you know, having massive global power, and those systems go into religious groups. They they've had the longest and the best and the non uh, bordered by by country control of anything it's it's been spiritual uh different spiritual corporations and so i can't imagine you know dating back two three thousand years that they weren't finding technology or uh somebody was smart enough to uncover it what it was and i think you had the zealots that were willing to kill anyone that would expose it uh just to get rid of it and then i think you have to assume that there were some clandestine organizations going, we know what's really out there and we're, we want it. And we're going to use it. And they just kept at it until finally, uh, maybe because of world war one, world war two, you know, you had government entities and their secret secretist of organizations, mm-hmm. you know, getting a piece of it also unintentionally, maybe Absolutely. where they're like, okay, religious organization, you, you have to share now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just—it's it, a scary thing. It really, you know, as cool as remote viewing was, the idea that I can be reversed and it's probably been reversed and being used for hundreds of years already, and, and then that you throw in the quantum computers into the mix, nanotechnology. Yeah, you know, it really makes me question: like, what am I living in? You know, we are living in a, I do think we're living in a reality. I don't think it's a, a facsimile, simile, uh, mainly because of our ability to, though, I, I, well, I think there's just, it's just a hunch. I just don't think that we're in a, I mean, we wouldn't know if, if, if our very brains are elements that are fictional and, you know, we're programs within a system that are, are you know, we are assuming that everything we're sensing is real. Right. Well, I'm not saying like an electronic computer. I'm talking something organic. Oh. Like we're kind of being dreamed. And then that dream is, people can manipulate that dream through their own use of something like lucid dreaming to manifest different things. Well, I have wondered whether or not that more advanced society just like, you know, some people play Sim City and that got off in a bunch. It's like, is this their idea of Sim City? Where like a like every aspect of the entire world is worth just like tweaking and letting run and and in reality it is a simulation because they're just it's a game. <laughs> like literally a game. And uh there there is you know, that's a legit question. I do think that maybe we could be a, you know, worse, you know, if we're like a dream within a dream, some inception stuff, you know, where we're the, we're living in the moments, we're living in the two hour window of some, you know, Greek like God, uh, uh, just afternoon day nap, you know, mm-hmm. are we going so, down like a, dark so, 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 so some Greek God dreamed that I was going to get my Johnson bit by a dog today. What a, what a prick. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I mean, the statistical possibility of that happening, boy, what a rough one. And that's like a, don't go outside with an umbrella, even though there's no storms out right now. Okay. Just one of those things. Just keep your head low. Maybe order in. <laughs> Somehow I slipped into a nightmare. <laughs> well, 
or are we already in it? How is that country song coming? Just fine. <laughs> so did did this remote viewing class end or not? Yeah, it, it, I finished it yesterday. So you went how many times virtually? Uh, six days. And I think this is really important because I'm super fascinated and would really be interested. Was it worth whatever you paid? It was gifted to me. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Okay. But, but I think they take the class. It was like $750. But if someone was going to spend it, would you recommend it? Yes. That's so fascinating. Yeah. So absolutely. how many people? Absolutely. It was 34 people. Holy crap. And in your, did you virtually interact with those people and do they have the same results? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like we've, we're all staying in touch. We have each other's emails or we've created a, a clubhouse group so we can continue to do targets together and uh, we created oh a, a, a group on this discord is, so we can do targets together there. Um, this is crazy that you guys are actually having this much success. I mean, that's a resounding thing to uh, promote and to get, I mean, to get the abilities that you're apparently really achieving for that many people for it to go that well. I, I think this is really exciting. This guy's taught thousands of people. Well, did he say any weird stories about people who've had are there people? Does he tell you not to do certain remote viewings? Um, no, he doesn't. He just talks about. I mean, he does talk about ethics. You know, like one remote viewer on her own trying to promise results is not a good, an ethical thing. You want to work as a group, and you want the target to be blind because. So, that 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 verifies that this data verification. It's a scientific method to verify the data that's being collected. So let me ask you: Did anyone bring up the question? Has it ever been done? But for those that want the answer, has anyone like done a remote viewing to find the devil or God or Buddha? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like that but, never but, came but, up. But I'm sure. I'm sure. These things can be done. One of the things, like, one of the things that he did was really kind of outrageous. Was he gave us? They give us the targets. We don't know what the targets are. One of the targets that he gave us was ourselves, <laughs> and it just screwed everybody up. Like it brought some people to tears because it did it. It worked. I, this is amazing. Wait, what's his name again? David Morehouse. This is, I recommend this book big time. Everything that, that he taught is in this book. David Morehouse, PhD, remote viewing, the complete uh, user's manual for coordinate remote viewing. That's crazy. Everything that he taught is in here. I like the colors. <laughs> um, sorry, it, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, the um, the viewing though, I I'm, I'm just I was just really like I threw it out there just because you know people have big questions, and if you can remote view something, and you, you know if if all the scientific parameters are set, I was just wondering like how metaphysical did any of the, I mean I think it's huge that the targets were yourselves, but at the same time. You know, what about that existential stuff? It's like, okay, somebody, let's like remote view the devil. Let's remote view Buddha. Let's remote, you know, like show us. So, so some of those targets though, like, like Buddha, yeah, that probably could be done because he was a real person. We know that Siddhartha was a real person. The devil, what about the devil is something that probably doesn't exist. So you're, you're just going to, I don't know. I'm just wondering if we can run into if we could remote view manifestations of the on the blinky board. Like if you you know if you have three billion people generating that that entity, I wonder if it can be remote viewed. If it's or you know whatever. It's well, like I, you, I'm, I'm sure not, like like it could be 
like something like the devil, because there's so many people who believe in it, and it probably does exist in sort of like an egregor type of form, like a thought form. Like, so you would be able to find the energy, the thought form, and decipher what's flowing in and out of it. Hmm. So could you, like if you wanted to target, uh, you know, an ancient underground structure or pyramid, could you do that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, even though if you don't have the name or the location, you could find it? No, you don't actually need the name or location. You need some kind of data, though, that you can um, attach the coordinates to, a random set of numbers. You know, like like we don't know where G.E. Kincaid's cave is or what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, could you right? guys go at that? But, but, That's but, we, but, but what we could do is we could take that story and assign yeah. coordinates to the story and then have it remote viewed and see what comes up. Well, could you do that before the trip? Uh, you got two or three weeks. I can try. Dude, why didn't we think of this? I think we did, didn't we? Like last time we talked. Yeah, we sort of did talk about it, but why don't we do it? Right. Can we do it? Uh, I'll ask the people that are in my uh, clubhouse group. Yeah, ask what Spanky and the Little Rascals are up to. I just let's, dated let's, myself let's severely see what again. we can do. Yeah, I, can't I think it's exciting. It, it is exciting. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. You know, and, and this is one of those abilities that, you know, it's also made me rethink the safe mode thing. I always kind of agreed. Like, yeah, yeah, we're in safe mode. We have these abilities, but they've been turned off. Right. If I'm able to remote view, that means they're not turned off. Nobody freaking no, told me. No, nobody told me. Right. Like Wim Hof is like not lighting it on fire for you he's just reminding you and showing you the skill set again yeah you do it so 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 we we didn't lose our ability that we are not being told about them we're not practicing them um we're just not utilizing them like like for example too like with 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 the remote viewing like ever since i was a kid since i was like 12 years old i've been able to read tarot cards no way, really? Yeah. And, uh, and I've been doing it forever, and I've never considered myself psychic or anything. I'm just like, oh, you, you lay out the card, you get an answer. That's it. With the remote right. viewing, too, the key to the remote viewing is the structure. But with the with tarot cards, it's the same thing. It's not the cards. It's the structure. So what do you mean? Define structure, though, for for me and everyone else. Like in remote viewing, there are six stages. The first stage is an ideogram. And um, and then you kind of write down like what your little line looks like, whether it's going up or down and left and right or curly or wavy like water. And then you go into like your um, verbal stuff, which like you start laying, writing down like colors, textures, sounds, smells. Um emotional feelings, things like that. Then you yeah. go and you do a sketch in stage three, basic sketch, and you probe the sketch to see if you can get any more type of data from it. Stage four is very similar to stage two, but it's even more detailed because you have tangibles and intangibles, emotional data, um, your, your, your data from stage two. And then after that, you go into stage five, which is um, you take one of your intangibles, one of the, like a, like an intangible such as like the word industrial, and then you do like almost like a word association with that word. Okay. And you take all that data, and then in stage six, you take all this data that you compiled, and you try to put it into one sketch or multiple sketches to see what your target was. I'm getting the book. I'm 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 super down with what you're going through here. This is really, you know, because you hear about. I've heard about this stuff for years. Like everyone, I remember when Richard, Richard Hoagland, um, Art Bell. You know, when they were talking about this stuff originally, I'm like, I thought it was very interesting, but I'm like, ah, nah, it's a little whack. It's not well, real. Well, Art Bell's producer was a remote viewer. Her name is Michelle Freed. She actually does a lot of my booking now. Oh, she does. Yeah. Oh, 
interesting. I have, um, yeah, I remember I, I've actually spoken with her like I've been on three times. So, yeah, talked to her a few times. Yeah, yeah. She used to work for Art Bell, and she's a remote viewer. I don't know. I don't know who she studied with. What? Um, I guess from a standpoint now, can you talk about anything your group is actually maybe remote viewing, or are you guys working on anything? We really haven't started anything yet because we just finished a course yesterday. Oh, perfect. Let's get in the front of the line. You got to ask about the Kincaid Cave. All right, I will. I mean, low hanging fruit here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're going. I mean, yeah, well, now, does this have any bearing on the research? So, you know, we're going to use thermal thermal imaging. Mm -hmm. So the question is, do you need to give them that information or is that like not part of it? Or would it help to word it in a way that would guide the thermal drone besides the fact that OX marks the, the, the spot? The best thing to do would be to take the original Kincaid article, assign it to coordinates and give it to them and let them give us their unbiased feedback because the more they know about the target that's called front loading and when you okay, front yeah, load you them do that. then you get what's called analytical overlay data which is not accurate right you want raw data right what about um the well they already kind of know your show i mean is it well, I don't think they I don't think they are listening to my podcast. So you don't think they would? Uh, so you think we could probably do it without loading it? Yeah. Yeah. What I would have to do is I'd have to talk to somebody who knows how to set a target because I don't know how, and have them set well, the target and assign it to coordinates and give it to everybody. So like two of you can know about it, but the rest of you can't. Right. The people that are actually doing the viewing cannot know what the target is. Otherwise, the data comes out. It's cr it's now, here's data. a question. Can you ever, okay, and maybe this is too much info, but so let's say you guys pick a target and you want to figure it out. So you do it. Can you keep trying to identify the target further once you guys try and go at it? It's kind of a one and done. Oh, no, you can keep doing it. Well, but I'm the, pro the problem is, though, when you keep doing it, every time you do it, there's more and more probably corruption to the data. So the first time you do it, that's why you want to do it with as many people as possible. Like if you got 30 people doing it, you don't have to keep doing it over and over again because you're getting 30 people's input. Okay, good point. But I'm just wondering if the, yeah, I was just wondering if the, if it gets spoiled, like you said, if people are aware, it's like, oh, the last time we looked for this, it was the Kincaid Cave. Like, do you tell them ultimately ever what the targets were? Yes, yeah, you can. But if you tell them what the target was, then they're not going to be able to do it again. Okay. I was just curious because... Is that I would an M16? Had... What? Was that an M16 you just put under your desk? This is my... Uh, um, oh, a mic stand. Yeah, it's actually a... Uh, that's a... <laughs> Yeah, so, a machine gun. <laughs> this is where we this is where we edit back to did you just put a machine gun under your desk <laughs> yes it's made out of plastic but uh <laughs> nerf um yeah no strictly lighting uh again just for some secret behind the scenes we do audio and video interviews and today gary and i are strictly audio so I'm packing up lighting equipment while we are doing our interview. <laughs> and I mistake it for a machine gun. Yeah, I'm doing the work of all five of my non-existent roadies. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my Disney animals to help me produce my stuff? <laughs> it is funny how much work actually goes into all this crap. Oh, it's incredible. You know, the, the, the amount of work for us to produce this stuff is, oh my gosh, you told me to leave the window open. This is the last this is ever happening. <laughs> Was that a horn? Oh, it sounded like the Fast and the Furious for a minute. If you, if you couldn't hear it, it's like echoing. It's just really bad. But I hope you didn't hear it. The, um, okay. We're, I know we have to wrap up soon. Yeah. But yeah, the remote viewing, 
I feel like would be very helpful. Um, how random, like how I should be asking all sorts of questions, but this is my choice one at the moment. How random can you get with a target? Like think intellectual property. Let's just say you wanted to find Tesla's theory of a scalar weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a big one, right? That they were, uh, you know, that all that was taken by, you know, the government. Yeah, that would be, so, fu- that would be fine. Something like that would be fine. So, like, can you find, like, where a document's located? But at what? Possibly. Okay, so two things. Possibly. That, that that's, would probably take what's called extended remote viewing, where they do remote viewing, and then they'll do some pendulum dousing on a map. And we haven't gotten to that stuff yet. That's another class. Okay, wait. So you guys are doing that next? Yeah. I don't know So why. when does that part start? I don't know. He hasn't set it up yet. Oh, wait. So it's a separate class or it's part of this class? Separate class. Okay. So, okay. So, again, this is, I'm super fascinated. If you can go random with an artifact, can you at any point read the details of the artifact? Like, you know, so-and-so has a patent on something. Can you remote view in to actually write a formula for a computer software? Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, that's nuts. Well, one of the stories that he talked about, about unethical remote viewing, was people using it to play the stock market. Oh, can we do that? Well, the stock Does market. it work? To, I, I guess it would work, yeah. Oh, oh, and he's talking about the ethics of it? Does he know anything about the history of the stock market? There's nothing ethical about it. I know, I know. But, well, he says it's not ethical because... The data that we that is received through remote viewing is not guaranteed, so you can't guarantee a hundred percent result. But I would say you could guarantee at least forty or fifty percent. You know, you know what would be a guarantee is if you just get elected into the Senate or the House of Representatives and do some insider trading. That would be guaranteed. <laughs> That's, that takes some of the randomness out of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I've thought about running for office. You know, in, in well, fact, in I'm, fact, I may run for president in two thousand twenty-four. Go, go for governor. No, go for. I'm going straight for the White House. I think I was born to be in the executive office. I'm not saying you ain't. Don't get me wrong. I just want to see you achieve an office that gives you a lifetime of. Uh, um, I want to know what your. Uh, I would love for you to like have lifetime insurance, permanent retirement, and pass it on to the rest of us. Because <laughs> I would love to have a job for four to six years and get all that. I would do. I would pass it on. <laughs> like why? Why would you not do that job? I, and, I, I would. I would take care of all my podcasting friends. Well, especially the I'm, regulars. What, um, well, what would be the platform that you would go on? Uh, well, I'm an anarchist. So I guess my platform would have to be doing away with central government and putting things back into the hands of the people. Letting people Does this make mean your inaugural decisions. band would be metal? Oh, uh, well, I think if for my inaugural band, I would pick. I have to pick a band that's alive. Probably Clutch. Just curious. Sorry, back on point. You were you were you were in the mid sentence, and I had to ask about the inaugural band. Clutch. <laughs> but as an anarchist, decentralize the government. That just isn't going to go well. Why not? I would. I, I, I think would like I, I, I'm gonna, I would have to assume that at least forty percent of the population is disappointed. <laughs> you might be. You might be estimating conservatively. <laughs> so I, I would think like the, the, that 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 group of the population would be like, yeah, maybe it's time to break up the government and put it into 
unions in in the way from elected officials and just create little unions that do their jobs. You have the little road crew union doing the bridges and roads. You have another union taking care of the medical stuff and just break it all up and, and get rid of all that stuff in the middle. All, all these, get rid of the Senate, get rid of the Congress, get rid of the oh. president, the, the president myself. I would fire myself. That. <laughs> My platform is you hire me, I will fire myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a towel, you're a towel. <laughs> um, all right. That that's I'll be the first president to fire myself. <laughs> Was he impeached? No. Did he quit? No. He fired himself. And everyone. Peace out. <laughs> I mean, do you think you could accomplish it in four years or would it take longer? Would it be two terms? I don't even think I'd make it through the first term before I fire myself. <laughs> I'll be the shortest president in the office. <laughs> fire myself the first day. <laughs> you, Executive you, order. <laughs> Gary, this short soundbite has literally created the reason why virtual reality should exist so people can entertain these sick fantasies because <laughs> in reality you would be you'd be you'd be pooping on the parade <laughs> but thank you virtual reality that Uh-oh. okay so anarchy anarchy uh yeah humans aren't good without a shepherd that's the thing they are good without the shepherd they just don't know it Ooh, namaste. They just Bruh. don't know it. All these things that we have within our possession uh-huh. that we don't know. I think I have to go let my dog out. We, well, everyone, we're going to uh, sign out now or hit pause? Uh, we are going to sign out. So before we, wrap, before we wrap it up, where can people find you? Oh, notaliens.com. And definitely sign up on the YouTube channel, Not Aliens, and Not Aliens on Rockfin. There'll be more free content in the members area at Not Aliens. Come support me and, of course, listen to the audiobook of It's Not Aliens on NotAliens.com. Bye. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at EverythingImaginable2020.com message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. by the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on film that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember,